Hello. <laughs> After last week's bizarre intro, I've decided to continue with our trend of absolutely destroying the intro at every possible t- junction. <laughs> uh, so we, we're here back with another episode of Slapcast. This is episode 11 of our coverage of the 2022-23 season. Just figured I'd shake it up and bring some new sound waves to your ears this week. Uh, we are joined by the repetitive sound waves that frequently accompany Slapcast in the form of the full panel uh reese hello reese hello ethan is here as well hello ethan hello gage i'm enjoying the nice weather we've been having me too it's not a hundred all the time which is really nice and josh is here as well josh how are you i'm good how are you i am superb i'm just ready and waiting and (laughs) yeah you already know what i'm gonna say it's question of the day time baby it is so the question of the day is, what is your go-to lunch? Like, which one are you eating most days of the week? Most days, I don't eat lunch. Yeah, I also um, don't eat lunch a lot. <laughs> fuck. If I make lunch, it's a PB&J. Okay. It's a classic. I mean, I will – I have hot dogs. So sometimes that's like a quick thing I could eat. That's not too bad. And then sometimes I will make a grilled cheese at home when I have the stuff. <laughs> if i have leftovers i'll sometimes eat those for lunch too but just don't normally eat lunch that's fair uh i go most days well not most days but if, most days when i do go eat lunch i go to panda on campus and get the honey walnut shrimp with fried rice and it's so good which oh my it's just <laughs> i love it so much it's unbelievably good i had it today actually so we're nice. on course, on par for the course, you know? So, yeah, good stuff. What about you? I normally go to lunch is like a turkey and cheddar sandwich with spicy mustard, mayonnaise, sometimes pickles, depends on if I have them or not, and then, like, some fruit or some yogurt and then some chips. I feel like I eat lunch probably most regularly out of all of us probably. now. Yeah. yeah, my class schedule is not I don't my break is not long enough really for me to sit down and eat lunch. So I have to go like either after or I have to go and eat really fast. So yeah, honestly, I mean, the reason I don't eat lunch is because I don't like to cook. And so I, I eat out a lot, which I also don't want to spend a lot of money, but I'm eating out a lot. So what I end up doing is just eating only one meal a day. That way I'm not eating out as much. Yeah. I mean, my classes are also like that. They're like right in the middle of lunchtime. So I just don't have time to eat during lunch. But even during the summer, that's just the time where I will usually work out. So I guess you could say my lunch is usually like a, a self-made protein shake. My lunch is pre-workout. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had pre-workout in a while, but it was for a while. Very, very excellent. Not very many food choices across the board. I was going to say something like a very diverse collection of options, but really not at all. So no, that was a really bad question. I, yeah, I, well, I, I no, thought... it was a fine question. Are we just are not lunchers apparently? No, that I I when it was like this surely will be like have a bunch of answers, and I feel <laughs> like I'm the only one who had like a concrete answer. Lunchers, get in the comments and tell us what you're lunching, okay? Because exactly that yeah, <laughs> that'll be the best way for us to garner some ideas, perhaps. But um. Right. So a few things other than what we had for lunch did occur around the world in recent days. Uh, the primary of which 
which we will discuss, that is a really difficult sentence to get out, uh, <laughs> is the Premier League, of course, as which is probably why you're here. We did have a round of games that just went by, and so we are going to go through uh, all the slap clubs, as we always do, and we're going to start with what I assume is the most interesting game that's ever taken place. Uh <laughs> At a 6.30 kickoff here in, in, uh, in the U.S., and it's between Crystal Palace and Leicester, a riveting nil-nil draw. Ethan, I'll go to you first. Describe well, it to me. I can only describe this match as a match that's lacking quality, as there were so many just mistakes that were so routine between both teams. Uh, this is going to sound really harsh, but I thought Leicester had a lot of them, into which it led to Palace doing a lot of them. So it's like, oh, I'll match you. You match me. What the fuck? <laughs> kind of stray bullet there. <laughs> can, can you that wasn't, no, that was not stray. That was in the crosshairs. <laughs> can you explain that one a little bit more, please? Well, I'm just saying they, they missed – placed a bunch of passes in my opinion and you know just turned over the ball a lot and so how I does think, that lead to y'all yeah <laughs> they play like shit so we play like shit well i'm just saying we That's didn't a real really thing that yeah that happens i mean it happened between or lester was doing it and then as the game went on palace started doing it it's just something i noticed i mean it's like a, it's also like didn't some teams like play down to the level of their opposition or like they play at the level of their opposition. And by some teams, I'm mostly talking about Spurs. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I see this happen a lot where Spurs will be playing someone that's, I'm not saying the quality differential is that much between Leicester and Palace, but like, you know. That, that was not to like, I'm not saying that Palace like played better or, or more quality than Leicester. I'm just saying that's something I noticed throughout the game was that, you know, they were kind of matching each other, you know, Leicester had a period of mistakes. Palace had a period of mistakes. And it was just weird to see how it, like, kind of correlated with each other. Yeah, both teams shit. Sad game went back to sleep. That's pretty much <laughs> all that needs to be said about this game. Hey, yeah. you got a point out of it, which Leicester uh, haven't done a whole lot this season. It's fucking five points. Let's go. Would, uh, would either of you be willing to take a stab and say one team deserved the win? Or no. did both teams deserve the loss? <laughs> no. I think both teams <laughs> deserved a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I know you were particularly unhappy with some of the substitutions, Ethan. Okay. So, you know, we have been talking about IU, you know, kind of playing in the midfield and, you know, doing a bang up job and it's allowed us to play Zaha and Elise uh, on the wings. Uh, Vieira didn't do that. He went IU back on the wing again. And oh my goodness, I, that never, that better not ever happen again after we've seen IU play in the number eight. So it happened again, and it eventually led to Edward and Zaha both being subbed off before IU. And IU's been playing with, like, a head injury because he got headbutted in the last game, so he had a band around his head. So I don't know how that he's been on the field for that long. So And then the first two subs of the game were, you know, it's nil-nil, brings on Luca and Yarrow, Riedewald. So two CDMs, and I'm just I, I was it was an abysmal choice. I would have loved to have a the live camera reaction on Milivojevic coming on. I, t- I tweeted out at full time. I said this has this reeks of Roy Ball, just because you know, it, the, on the situation we probably should have been you know trying everything to get a point out of this game. You know, with Lester being in the bottom or lower half of the bottom of the half of the table, and so. It was just, it was a mess. And I was very unhappy with 
the lack of cojones that Palace brought to this game. Josh, would you like to offer any insight on Leicester's performance, or do you want to just not talk about it? I mean, Woot Faze looked pretty good, but uh, Daka and Sumari both kind of looked bad. Like, they both, like, had, like, Daka had, like, two or three, ch- two chances that, like, went straight to the keeper, and it was just not, not great. And then Sumari was just, like, making lots of the mistakes that Ethan already was talking about. Yeah, my TV just turned on. <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn it off. Hang on. Someone say something to fill time. Well, I had some other points about Palace's play. Um, so I'm going to smack Joel Ward. Hey, Josh, should we send both of our wards to the Gulag? Should we, do we agree on that? Yeah, we should send them straight into the Atlantic. I, I, okay. I'm glad we're aligned on that. So basically I saw this tweet and it, it made me super annoyed because, oh, I had Twitter open, but it, move my bookmarks let me go to it real quick someone tweeted that our left side is Zaha, Ezzy, and Mitchell that's a great left side right there but then you look at our right and we've got Ward, Schlupp, and Ayu that is the most unbalanced wings on in I've ever heard and literally it's become apparent that in the past few games that if teams want to unlock our defense and get through is to target Joel Ward just because you know he, he doesn't really, you know, drive forward too much. He always stays back while the left side goes forward. And he's just not – he's getting old. He's played too much, you know. It's, he's just an easy target to go against. So um, He gets done yeah. for pace, I feel like, quite a, yeah. quite a few times during the game. Yeah, and it's just – it's a mess. And I think if we had the likes of Elise on, on the right side, with, instead of Ayu and Ayu back in the midfield, I think it would take a lot of pressure off him going forward and – it's 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 annoying to see. So, um, and then we also just made a lot of over uh, over complicated passes, and so I I think we need like a, a special session just to complete normal passes because you know, I think a lot of the link up play, you know, we try to be like you know creative and tricky and do like certain things that Zaha would do, but it just ended up over complicating things to where we couldn't make a normal pass. So, definitely something we should work on, and then. Uh, this is the first time I'm going to say this because I've given him, you know, like a year to, you know, settle things down. And, you know, we basically switched up to our, our team a lot, but I think for, for the first time, I'm going to admit Vera totally got this wrong because, you know, the team was just, and, you know, we beat Leeds last time, you know, probably should have kept the same team, but instead changed it up. And I think, and he, he didn't make the right subs. So I, I would have to say that he got it wrong. Well, did he change it for the, do y'all have a midweek game? Uh, we do. He might have switched it around because who are y'all playing? Wolves. I would prioritize Wolves over us, but that's just me. Well, no, I, I get that. I'm just, I, I would think you would keep, you know, keep the same team through the, on the weekend games and then, you know, switch it up a little bit in the midweek games. Yeah, but if it like doesn't, if they're like, if they look at the midweek games, like the string of ones that are coming and the midweek games are harder than the weekend games, you can flip it around. Or so. even just kind of suck it up a little bit because we get five substitutions. I, we, we play Wolves on, on Tuesday, but then we play Everton. And I would, I would argue that Everton's the more game we should probably focus like on. I, I, I understand rotation, but you don't have to rotate so heavily at least right now, considering we have five substitutions in a game, right? 
Yes, we have five subs, but teams like Palace and Leicester don't have that squad depth because we're not good enough. That That's true, players. but you're playing each other. It's not like you're trying to bring on five players against Man City. You're yeah, playing we still Leicester, who were like bottom of the table up until a couple weeks ago, right? Mm. Or yeah, vice versa. Like, like it's the it's the you're in the same boat, right? It's not a huge trade off because you're like, if I bring on five substitutions, maybe who are lacking in a little bit of quality, Leicester or it, I'm saying this as Palace, right? Leicester then respond, they can only do the same thing, right? It's like the same quality. But it's it's a, it's like the opposite of the nuclear arms race, though, because it's like whoever whoever blinks first and rotate, like you don't want to be the team that rotates and then risk that the other team doesn't, right? Because if Leicester put out their full strength side and then Palace rotate for three or four players out of the starting 11, like then, you know, they've screwed themselves inadvertently. I do understand what you're saying though. I just think like, especially for Palace, like Ethan's talking about on the right side, um, Joel Ward, I think is the only fit right back option at the moment. Is that true? So yeah, it's, they're kind of not real. They're kind of, strapped in terms of options i think so i i do see what you mean but at the same time i think it's it's hard for a manager to justify doing that in games where you need to be picking up points right because you you would argue for these teams that these games are more important than a game against man city for example because on paper you can't compete with them anyway so you know i don't know i you are right though Ethan. that you know everton are obviously the more pressing team, right? When you compare them to Leicester, because you've already got, you're already ahead of Leicester in the table right now, right? So then it's, you're looking at the teams more closely around you. Yeah, Wolves are actually dangerously low as well. I didn't realize this, but they're only in 17th. So lots of, uh, well, I say that, but it's all separated by not very many points all the way up to 11th. So either way, one result can swing things very drastically. Any final thoughts, Ethan? Yeah, I had one more thing. Um, you know, I did mention already that Zaha got uh, subbed off. And, you know, I will. he didn't have a good game. I thought he looked really poor on the day. Um, you know, that's just something that star players usually have to deal with every so often. But um, I, think, I think that we probably should have kept him on because I feel like in the instances where you bring on these other players, you know, they could change the way the game goes, like the feel of the game, and he can get more into it maybe. Just because I feel like he also didn't have much of the ball in the bit in the first place, just because we were I think defending a lot from Le- uh, Leicester's attack. So I think you know when when we're like changing, trying to change the game a little bit, he can you know kind of change his performance. And so uh, I thought we probably could have gotten more out of him if you know we had kept him on. And yeah, it's just unfortunate that we took him off. Because I, I almost wonder because it it does seem like a case of just rotating your players, right? Because what else really would be the reason of subbing him off i almost wonder if the plan if the plan going into it was to save some energy for these coming midweek game and then the game on the weekend if he had been better at his as a super sub because you almost think like i don't i i would rather end the game with him on because he can have such an impact than sub him off prematurely and uh you know not really be able to turn things around but that, yeah. there's also a gamble, gamble there, right? Because then you're without Zaha for majority of the majority. game. Yeah, and we could be chasing it at the end. So um, I, I'm going to use Tottenham as an example. It's like Kane with their star player. I mean, he might not be playing good the whole game, but I feel like when you make subs and not sub him off, he, you know, he could get more into the game and be a match winner. He so. literally never comes off. He plays yeah. every game, every minute of every game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would imagine. It also might have been a case of uh... – 
Vieira thinking Mateta would bring something different than what Zaha brings. Yeah. I mean, if Zaha isn't working the whole game. They also don't play the same position. But why is it not IU? Why is it not IU? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with with Mateta playing, I I feel like it'd be easier to get crosses to him. So, I don't know. It was it was just a weird game. That's why all in turn Vieira got it wrong. Yeah, I, I I was thinking this earlier, and I meant to say it before we got off on something else, and then I made a different point. But when you were describing listing off the players on the left side, it's like that scene from uh, The Dark Knight where the Joker walks into the hospital and he sees this half of Harvey Dent's yeah. face, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I already forgot who it is, Ezzy, normal nurse. Mitchell, whoever. And then he turns, he turns his head and it's like, oh God, it's like, what's wrong with this side of his face? It's like palace right now. Yeah. It's Harvey Dent FC. Yeah. And I mean, we do have the quality to, you know, make up numbers on the other side, but I think it's, it's probably a little bit of what Josh said. And then it's also just, you know, whatever weird game. Okie dokie. Let's move along past that particular affair and on to Spurs, who earned a 2-0 win over Everton at home. Uh, One of the more routine results for Spurs this season, which is the second week in a row I've gotten to say that, uh, which is nice, actually, (laughs) because it doesn't happen too often, I feel like. I feel like I'm usually coming on here and complaining about the fact that we never have the ball, blah, blah, blah. So it was nice to be able to uh, feel in control throughout the game. Though I will say in the first half, Spurs did dominate possession, but Everton had the better chances for sure. I think uh, Gray and Onana both had breaks through in the first half and the ball kind of wasn't really settled as they were breaking through and they both launched them into outer space, um, which <laughs> thankfully for, for Spurs because those were really high quality chances. But interestingly, the thing that changed the game really in terms of Spurs merely managing the game to when we started dominating it was actually when Richarlison got injured, uh, which is not really a trade-off I would take, but um Richarlison had to go off early in the second half because of a uh, tweaked calf muscle. And he was replaced by Yves Basuma, which is the opposite of the substitution that we saw last week against Brighton, which we talked about uh, possibly being a mistake whenever it happened. So now it's been reversed and it had a really positive effect on the team, I think. So I don't know how many more signals we need to start playing 3-5-2 on a regular basis, but I feel like that would be the one. Uh, or at the very least until Kulisevsky is fit again, because with him as a linchpin in three four three, I think it works better. But Kane, Son, and Richarlison are all such, especially uh, Son and Richarlison are so direct, and Kulisevsky is very indirect player. Um, and I think that indirect creation is something that we lack a lot going forward because right now a lot of our chance creation is extremely low percentage if that makes sense. So you get a lot of these kind of driven balls down the touchline and then Perisic will whip in across to a 3v4 type situation, right? Where it's it it's more than likely that the defender is going to get there first unless the ball is inch perfect. So a lot of these opportunities are pretty low percentage in terms of, I guess, low XG, you could call them opportunities, right? You could think of it in that way. Um I'm struggling to think of what the first goal was now. It was the penalty, but what happened? I can't even remember. Um, uh, Pickford took Kane out. Oh, that's right. Doherty had a shot from uh, from the right side, and Pickford spilled it, and then Kane got to it first. That's right. Yeah. Um, 
I think it was a penalty, no doubt, but Kane having uh, sent one into the, like to Mercury in the Champions League uh, on Wednesday, always a little bit nervy, the penalty right after you miss one. It's the first blatant miss I've seen Kane have since that famous one that I always talk about where the Southampton players uh, kicked the penalty spot before he took it. Um, It was rough, but this one was not rough. It was a perfect penalty pretty much. Uh, nothing Pickford could do. So good to see that he's now eight goals away from breaking the uh, all-time Spurs goal scoring record, which is currently held by Jimmy Greaves. Uh, so that'll be exciting. There is a potential uh, due to the amount of games that are happening, you know, between now and the world cup, there's a potential that within the span of weeks, he could break the Spurs record and then break the England record uh, a few days later in the world cup. Cause he's three away from the England record and eight from Spurs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, the second goal really killed the game off. This was a gorgeous move. Started by Kane as well. Uh, very deep in his own half. Plays a lovely ball out to Benton Kerr, who uh, plays a first-time deep cross into a completely unmarked Hoybier, who uh, slots home off of Alex Iwobi. It is worth noting, uh, which I took great pleasure in because uh reese before the game sent a text in our group chat that said two in midfield against it will be finished <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we had this running gag about it will be the whole game pretty much um so because he has he has actually been very good this season so um yeah i don't know i think not, just more of the same from spurs really this kind of theme of Basuma being able to back up hoybier and mentinker uh hoybier slowly cementing himself as one of my favorite spurs players of all time uh I just, I love him. He's so great. He works so hard. Um, and then like he, he, everything he does looks really difficult. Like he, you get like, ben, okay, I'm going to compare him to Bentinker in this situation. Bentinker on the ball is like very silky, very effortless. Like, you know, his touches just look very natural. Hoybier looks like he has to work really, really hard to do anything on the ball. I mean, it works for him, but it's just, it's funny, just kind of the contrasted styles. And then he'll randomly pull out some like Maradona-esque flick to get around a player, uh, which is hilariously out of character. But um, either way, I, I, I'm on the Hoybier train, horned up for Hoybier, I think is what I, what I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to coin <laughs> here. So yeah, I don't really have too much else on this. Uh, Everton didn't even have a shot on target. Uh, they were pretty rubbish, to be honest, apart from those two chances. So not a lot to say. I did uh I did mention to you how well Doherty played. Yeah. Um please elaborate on how much better he is than Emerson Royale. <laughs> I mean, he was just able to get around defenders and you know, he just looked more more stable. Yeah. <laughs> I also really like the gambler facial hair that he has going on. He's got the like long mustache with the the long goatee too. I love it. You'd have so. to think this is this is spelling the end of Emerson Royale, considering uh, not only did already start, but he was also subbed off, and it was not for Emerson Royale; it was for Jed Spence. Well, Emerson is still suspended. Oh, so, is he? Yeah. Well, from Jed Spence looked fine too, so he looked better yeah. than Emerson for the time he played. Yeah, I want to see more of Jed Spence. It's not going to happen, unfortunately, but I would like to, I would like to see it. The problem is Conte trusts Emerson in a defensive situation which is probably correct. I mean, he is the best of the three. I think he is probably the best out and out defender. 
it's it's close between him and Doherty, but I think he's probably better defensively. So to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see Doherty start against United and then uh, to see Emerson start again against Newcastle this weekend, uh, as much as it's going to piss me off. But I did want to ask, because you mentioned the the two chances Everton had in the first half, because um, we talked about during the North London derby that Spurs kind of game plan is limiting the opposition to low percentage scoring chances. But it really seemed like in this game, the only chances Everton had were extremely high percentage scoring chances. They just couldn't finish. Yeah. Uh, I, think... I didn't know if that was like just some kind of errors that led to that, or if there was a tactical tweak uh, from the North London Derby, but. The second one was a, a comedy of errors. Actually. I think it, the, the Onana one where he broke through, it was uh, Pickford played a long ball up and Romero mm. came to claim it. And then as he chested it down, Hoybier like took it off him. And then it bounced kind of into a really unfortunate area and Onana was able to break through. The first was just good play from Damari Gray, I think. Um, just good pace and one he won the foot race. I think that's that's as simple as that. So that can happen. Um, I'm not too worried about it. I think reticent as I am to suggest that it'll work, I think against teams with a higher attacking threat, Spurs probably won't play as high of a line. I think the, the line was marginally higher, not anywhere near like Arsenal or city levels, but it was marginally higher than you would see against one of the bigger teams. So I think Spurs would take a more conservative approach in games where that threat was um, significantly worsened than it is against Everton. That's what I would say. I think uh, good news for Everton fans is uh, Calvert Lewin seems to be back from injury. Uh, he made, made a substitute yeah. appearance. Uh, yeah, see, I think they're I think they're somewhat happy with Mope, but um, it, it's always good to get you know he he's he's been very inconsistent player throughout his career, but when he's been good, he's been really good. So you know they'll be happy to see him back. And at the very least, competition for Mope is not a bad thing. Yeah. So yeah, they'll continue to improve. Hopefully, Anthony Gordon was suspended for the game, which I think also really hampered uh, Everton's uh, sort of progress going forward because I think it's no secret that he is their best player. Um, so yeah, definitely being without him was not helpful, but other than that, I think that's pretty much all I have on Spurs. Not, not too, too much going on in the game. So, uh, unless we have any other final thoughts, we can now slide over to the other side of North London, uh, where Arsenal earned a one nil win over Leeds. Yeah. And possibly the nerviest game of, of all time, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, we didn't play particularly well. Uh, we did in the first half. I felt we it was it was kind of um, thinking back to the to the Palace Leeds game. It was almost the reverse, right? We all had a really great. No, it was the exact same thing that happened. Really great first half. Uh, awful second half. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We we just completely got outplayed in the second half, but somehow scraped by with a one 0 win. But you really, I mean. You have to if you want to compete at the top, right? These are the kind of scrappy wins that you have to, to generate out of nowhere. Um, there's some outrage uh, from Leeds fans, but I really, I, I would have been shocked. And I'll just bring it up: the the red card and penalty towards the end of the game. I would have been shocked had it not been overturned. I was very upset when that happened, um, especially because I, I really felt like the linesman. Uh, had such an awful game because before that as well, uh, 
the first penalty they had uh Rasmus Christensen was was a mile offside in the buildup and for some reason it, I there's there's confusion on whether or not it was even checked but the linesman is right next to him when it happens so I don't really know why the flag doesn't go up and it's not like he didn't receive the ball either like it was passed to him and he was a mile offside it's very strange I I almost wonder if it's because um they didn't score from the chance and instead got a penalty because then the rules might be different but I I'm fairly certain they still have to check the buildup. They a should still check. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know. I guess if it's not that, then it would have to be that they deemed it another. Uh, what's what's the term when it's like a different uh, period of play or um, pa- uh, phase? Yeah, phase. Although they they did pass backwards, but they, it's not like they left the attacking zone, like not even remotely. It was like top of the box. So I, I was really confused when that happened. Um, I actually quoted you, Gage, uh, something you like to say a lot, ball doesn't lie, Manford missing the penalty. So I thought that was yeah. uh, retribution there, but yeah, I would have. So I guess I'll describe the incident towards the end. Um, Banford barrels into Gabrielle, uh, which is the most obvious foul I've ever seen. Gabrielle does lash out, but there's minimal contact. The line, the referee does nothing. He decides it's nothing. The linesman pulls it back for a red card and a penalty, which then the referee goes and looks uh, at the screen and overturns both. Uh, Gabrielle gets a yellow and it's not a penalty. So maybe do your job, linesman. Um, yeah, I was I was really shocked. I, I think, you know, he's lashing out, but there's minimal contact. So I, I'm fine with the yellow card. I would have been shocked if he'd been sent off and he he also got fouled first so there's there's no way it's a penalty right uh cuz play is presumably stopped and it was pulled back for a foul uh we had a free kick okay um, i was about to ask i was like how cuz i i i saw this all happen after the fact and i saw that gabrielle was awarded a yellow card and i was like so then they still think it's a foul so yeah, why it was because they... they pulled it back for a foul on gabrielle and then gave him a yellow for lashing out was so like we had a we oh, had a you mean on do you mean on Bamford? Yes, Sorry. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. okay. I was Bamford like, uh... fouled Gabrielle. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Got we it. had a free kick, but there was an uh there was an incident outside of the play of the game, right? Right, right, okay. Which he received. No, I got that. For. I missed the fact that they had deemed it a foul on Bamford. I yeah. just, I was like, okay, so Gabrielle got a yellow card and there's just nothing. I, for the record, I thought it was the right decision. I didn't think it should have been a penalty, but yeah. You know. And I think if Leeds fans want to be mad at anything, be mad at the first goal that was disallowed from Leeds. Um, Cause I, am still not sure why it was disallowed. There's, I thought it was either because of a foul again, uh, like when it was scored, I think for a shove on Gabrielle, uh, I thought it, might have been a handball, but I haven't rewatched it recently enough to be able to remember. But yeah, they Leeds did have a goal disallowed, so they'll they'll feel very hard done by not to come away with three points. To be honest, um, but yeah, we got the win in the end. <laughs> that that's what matters. I saw a stat that Bamford hasn't scored since December thirty first. Really. Well, yeah. he's been injured for most of that time, to be fair. I think that'll change very soon because obviously he had he had a goal disallowed. He... he had a penalty that he ended up missing, but he really did. He he was because you look at the I, I I mentioned it was a it was a game of two halves, right? We were fantastic in the first, completely dominated in the second half. The only thing that really changed at halftime was that Banford came on. Um so he really did change the game. 
Uh, and I, I'm honestly not too surprised to see us struggling in, in this game because Leeds have a very good and organized press. Um, and, you know, we, we play a very high line. We like to keep possession and we also like to recycle possession and, and uh, start everything out from the back. So when you have a really organized press, it becomes uh, much more difficult to do that. Sorry, I, I kind of interrupted you, Josh. Were you, were you done with your thought or did you have more? No, I was just looking at the thing. He okay. only missed. Yeah, I guess. Brother, he only played nine games in the Premier League last season. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he missed he missed a good chunk of time. Um, I know because I had him in draft last season. Oh, that's tough. Which, yeah, pretty annoying. I had him in, had him in draft the season before, and he went crazy. Oh, yeah, that was when he had uh, 17 goals, as I just discovered. But. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think he will start to score again. Although, that being said, I think Rodrigo is coming back from injury quite soon. So he may lose his place in the team uh, because Rodrigo obviously was a, a huge conduit to their attack at the beginning of the season. Yeah, so, I really hope he's not back on uh, Thursday against us. No, I, I don't think I think it's more like towards the end of the month. I don't okay. think it's uh, like that soon. So. Uh, well, Reese, because of that, Arsenal are, of course, now four points clear at the top because of the other result that we have, which we can move on to unless you have any final thoughts to uh, share with uh, the Arsenal game. Well, I wanted to wait until you mentioned that we're four points ahead, but I'm going to formally announce that I think we are at least in contention for the title this season. Uh, not because I think we're better than City, but because City are randomly dropping points, and I think we have a chance of beating every team besides City. Uh, in most cases, like I think we at least are in the competition against every team except them. Uh, but if they keep dropping points, and I, I'm not not to say this is random, right? It's against Liverpool, but they they've now dropped points against uh, Liverpool, and I'm forgetting who else. Uh, uh, they drew with Newcastle and a draw with, Villa. That was it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. two draws there. So it's like you know they're not completely unbeatable. Uh, and right now we are four points clear, I and mean, it's still early days, but. I didn't want to say anything just because I thought there was no chance, but uh, they are continuously dropping points. So you're you're just because you said that you're going to go on a five game losing streak now. Yeah. So that's how it works. No, yeah. I mean I think I think it's safe to say at this point. I think what is it the the rule is generally the table's not real until ten games in. Yeah. Well, we're ten games in, so the table's real. Yeah, um, I've talked about history in a few other games, but you also look historically. Real. And obviously there's a first, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's first for everybody. And I would hate for it to be us, but I do not think there has been a team in Premier League history to win nine out of 10 of their games and not win the league. Um, really? Yeah. I think I saw that on Twitter, which I mean, isn't always reliable, but. I definitely think y'all are in, in the hunt for the title. What I would say, and again, of course I have to be the Debbie Downer because it's my role as a Spurs fan is that um, like, I, and, and again, I'm not going to suggest that this has anything to do with Arsenal because it doesn't. It's the mere fact that there, this is basically split into two seasons, right? Like I feel like the dynamic of the Premier League when we come back from the World Cup is going to be so different. And I worry about it with Spurs too, to be honest, because we have so many players going, right? So like, I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain the same level that we are right now once everyone comes back from the World Cup, right? So I think yeah. it's just such a – it's so hard to call what's going to happen at the end of the season until after the World Cup. Um, That's true. That being said, and we, I and do agree. And we need agree. to stay fit. Well, yeah. 
so does everyone. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, the amount of games happening, like. Yeah, there's a couple of key areas that if there's an injury, we don't really like there's a few areas where we have quite a lot of depth and quite a lot of good depth, right? We've seen a lot of rotation at left back already. Um, there's, you know, as much as I love Jesus and what he's brought to the team, I do think Eddie and Ketchy has improved a lot as a player. Yeah. So I think there's depth there, but you know, party gets injured. Well, Congo is a good player, but he, he's, he's not, he, he's not one for one. So I think we lose a lot there. Uh, Odegaard, what about center thing. back? Are you comfortable at center back? Center back? I'm, we do have depth, but there's they're all pretty much playing right now. So like it's Gabrielle, uh, Saliba, Ben White, and Tomiyasu, who all started in this game. Uh, so and I guess Big Rob, yeah, and Big Robster, um, who also came on. This this was his first um, back five appearance uh, that he was kind of famous for last season. But um, yeah, I think we have good depth there. It's just that they're all currently playing a couple of them out of position where they're thriving, but it's like, you know, we're, we don't necessarily have the Liberty to move them around. Like Ben white is a good option at center back, but uh, currently at right back, it's also Tomiyasu and it's also Cedric who's just back from injury. And I don't love so. I forgot about Cedric. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot he was a human. Yeah. So shout out to Cedric. Uh, didn't he score a banger sometime last season? Am I remembering that correctly? His first goal for us was a banger. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's he pulls him out randomly. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, side tangent. Um, right. So let's move on to the newly decreed title rivals uh, to Arsenal, which is, of course, Man City, as you would expect. Now, ironically, uh, we we posted or Ethan posted a clip of me going on my kind of little mostly ironic tear against Arsenal last week. And we received some, some comments on the TikTok that were telling me, Oh, where's city's video. Why aren't you saying this about city, this, that, and the other, they're going to drop points. And I guess lo and behold, they were right. Uh, because city did in fact drop points to Liverpool. Um, a one nil win for Liverpool, probably pretty unexpected. Although, Again, we talked about law of averages last week. It feels like Liverpool were kind of due one, right? And yeah. City were probably due a loss. So, as well as the fact that in the traditional top six, none of them have won away against the other top six opposition this season. Really? I actually yeah, the, didn't know that. But the home yeah. team has won it every time or drawn. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good to know. Also worth noting that Allison now has two assists, uh, which I think if he gets one more, he will set the record for goalkeeper assists during a season. So he's got plenty of time to do that. Uh, maybe he'll add another goal to his repertoire as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, okay. So uh, I'll go to Ethan on this. Do you think Liverpool did anything specific that led to their victory in this game? Or do you think it was more just a case of City not taking their chances when they came around? Uh, I think it's definitely a combination of both. I mean, like we just talked about, you know, averages, you know, City were due one. They're, Foden and Holland have been doing so well that at some point there had to be someone to stop them. And I mean, I know they had a, a goal disallowed, but, you know, it almost seemed like they were, you know, so doing so well that, you know, something had to give. So... It's hard to analyze this game because, you know, obviously Liverpool has been doing so poor compared to what they have been doing and City have been, you know, doing great to kind of pinpoint what changed in this game. So I'm curious as to what uh, y'all feel. 
I got to come I up with better also, questions because it's always a mix of both. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also a case of, um, you know, they're just coming off of what, what you would think is kind of heartbreaking loss in terms of Liverpool against us. Cause it's such a close game throughout the whole thing, right? Three, two. And then, and then they have a home game immediately following that against who have the team that has been their rivals for so long. So it's like, they have so much fire going into this game because they're, they're angry about the loss they always want to beat city, right? Because they've been in contention with each other for, for multiple seasons now and they're at home. So they have, the, they have the fans backing. Um, so I think, I think that's a big part of it. Would it be ridiculous to suggest that Liverpool are not out of the title race yet? I mean, I don't, I'm not, I mean, it's toe in the line, I feel like, but I could see them just not losing a game the rest of the season. Yeah, like would that would like be that. completely out of the question for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I just don't like once they start to get some of these players back, and once they have actual players who play in midfield, um, I feel like you could see a, a, a drastic swing. Of course, the problem is they're already fourteen points back from Arsenal. They do have a game in hand, but still. Um, the old adage goes, you'd rather have a uh, game in hand and points on the board. So, or no, that's actually the exact opposite of what it says. <laughs> <laughs> it's you'd rather have points on the board than game in hand. So yeah, the, although actually that deficit's going to be made up because Arsenal and city were supposed to play this week uh, in what would have been a really, really exciting clash. But uh, do you know why it got moved? It got moved a long time ago, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure actually. I just kind of assumed it was because of weird. I, I what I think it is is because uh, we had our a uh, Europa League game uh, rescheduled because of the Queen's death. Oh, uh, yeah, I think you might be right. Hold on, I'm doing some research real quick to figure it out. I just remember Spurs fans being really upset about it uh, because they were like, "Look, they're already moving." Because remember the, the whole North London derby thing last yeah. last year. They're like, "Look, they're already rescheduling all the fixtures <laughs> they don't like." Uh, which is yeah, kind of funny, but that's definitely us. It's definitely not the, not the F. Oh, you you are right. It's the the PSV game got called off, so I I'm assuming y'all are playing that this week then, because uh, yes, I think so. I can look real quick. Uh, yeah, that's correct. This Thursday, okay, that makes sense. Okay, so anyway, uh, that game got postponed, which is kind of sad actually, because I would have liked to have seen that game happen this week. Well, for a Spurs perspective and just out of a, a fully neutral perspective, but. Um, anyway, back to the game at hand. Uh, is this Van a change Dyke. of fortune for Liverpool? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say Van Dyke looked a lot better than he had been. I yeah, so this kind of goes into what I was going to say anyway. Is, is this a change of fortune for Liverpool, Josh? Yeah, I, I think – I mean, I already kind of talked about it. I think I could see them not losing a game. I don't think they will. I don't know who's going to win the title, but I think they'll at least be in the running until like six games are left and then they'll like get mathematically eliminated. I think it's got to come down to that Man City Arsenal. I don't know. When do y'all play at the end of the season in the second half? Uh, I don't know. Let I'll me find out. Google. Uh, the good thing about Liverpool, right, is because they're, you know, you're saying it's a change of fortune. Their next three games are, are very winnable. Uh, oh, my God. I think it's the second to last game. Oh, and it's at no. the Eddie had. That's so sad. Well, and then that postponed one is probably going to get moved pretty late in the season as well because all those yeah, cup and yeah, there's not really a time to put it until like February March range. Yeah. So 
Yeah, so I'm pretty sure this the Arsenal go to City on the second to last game week, which I, is absolutely mind bending. That would be. I I don't want to be like imagine a the title decider. <laughs> I I think Arsenal are going to finish second, but only because y'all's squad is so young. Like I definitely think y'all are going to win a title in the next like three years, but I don't know if this year is going to be the year where y'all do it. I'll say I also think we're going to finish second. I just uh, wanted to say I think we're officially in the running now. I didn't want to say oh, anything yeah. until we were at least four points ahead uh, instead of just one point ahead. But Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm not going to say that, what you just said, because I don't want to say it. Um, what did I say? I'm, I have short memory. Somewhere about where in the next three years. No, no, no. Second. About Yeah, about somewhere where Arsenal were going to finish, which I w- will not come out of my mouth. Um, but short memory, I really don't remember what I said. I'm well, that's too bad. You just said um, we're gonna get second. He's no, he's he's being a shithouse. Um, <laughs> but my my I, I agree that I still think City are favorites, and I think Reese probably does too, just because of the pure, absolute nuclear nature of their squad and funding. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't really. Th- the thing is, it's Liverpool at Anfield. So if there was any game you would have picked going into the season that City would lose, it would probably be that one, right? Exactly. So And Liverpool's next three fixtures, it's West Ham at home, Nottingham Forest away, which you would, you would think Liverpool wins that game. That's a 9-0. And then, and then Liverpool, uh, they play Leeds at home, which obviously – That's Leeds a 9-0. Have, yeah, Leeds have uh, shown that they can, they can kind of do well against uh, teams that play – um, similar to, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, where it's high possession based and the, the press comes alive, right? But it's at home. Uh, Leeds are not doing that well right now, right? And then, and then you have Tottenham, which is a big game, but it's like they're coming off this huge win and they have three very winnable games going ahead. So if they can start to build some momentum, then they absolutely could turn their season around. Is that at Anfield or at the it's Google at, Stadium? Uh, at the Google Stadium. I can't wait. I can't wait for that to be announced just because I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, okay, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, So here's another wrinkle that is kind of in the fray that we didn't really consider too much just now. Chelsea are on 19 points with a game less than the three teams above. So if they win that, they're a point behind City and Spurs. And they're quietly sort of chugging along here. They picked up another win this weekend against Aston Villa, which I am not very regretful to say I didn't watch. But um, just with the inclusion of Graham Potter and how sort of well-oiled they've looked since he's come in, I mean, are they in contention too? Like what's – I feel like there's so many teams that we don't know the full story yet. I don't know. Like I don't really know what Chelsea are yet. Yeah, it's hard to – sorry, you go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I think they're still figuring it out because, I mean, you know, new manager, you know, trying out new players, you know, different combinations. I think it, it you know, it's working right now, but obviously, you know, we still need some games to figure out, you know, what Graham Potter's, you know, set team is going to be. Yeah. And Villa have not been great of late. I wonder, I mean, we have to have the Gerard conversation again, I think, uh, Reports have been coming out this week that he is as under threat as he has been in his time at Villa. 
I need to quickly look and see what their next couple of fixtures are because that is really key. It's Fulham next, which okay, so that's a big uh, game. It's a big game, and then Brentford, and then Newcastle, and then Man United. So, so Fulham and Brentford, though, I mean, those are two really big games. So yeah. theoretically, you could see Gerard being gone by the end of this week if they don't get something from both of those. Yeah, I imagine they'll they'll be he'll be given the full three: the Fulham game, Brentford game, and Newcastle game, and. Uh, I don't know what points total he would need to meet, but I imagine they'll make a decision before the United game. Although that's a little risky to sack your manager right before a big game against I, United. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think if he loses Fulham and Brentford, and it's like if it's like a controversial loss, or if it's like a they played really well type thing, then maybe I could see them giving him another game. But honestly, if they lose both of those games, I don't see him still being in the job because I think that gives you a week to train before Newcastle and. Newcastle are a really good team right now, but I would rather have that as my first game with a new manager than United. So I think, well, honestly, I don't know. To be honest. <laughs> they're, they're roughly equivalent right now, I feel. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I, it's going to be one to keep an eye on. <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm jumping all over the place now, but you know, we're kind of wrapping up our, our discussion for this week. Uh, <laughs> rumors are that Nuno is coming back to Wolves, which – yeah. I think would be absolutely hilarious. That's I don't so know. Backwards. What, yeah. From uh, what, where is he right now? He's at, he's in Saudi Arabia or somewhere right now. Currently. Is um, he working right now? I didn't think he was in a job. Uh, He, I swear he is. Yeah. He worked. He's currently managing Al Idihad in Saudi Arabia. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I they think just, that's a mistake. But. They just need some creativity. They need because you know they've been doing this system. You know, bring in the Portuguese manager. You know, came keep the same style of football, but it's just you know it's it's hit its it's it's run its course. I think they need to try something new at this point. Yeah, it also hasn't been that long since he left. Like no. it's been a season and change. So most of the players that are there will have worked under him anyway. So whatever the problem was before about his ideology being stale or the players just needing a new voice. I don't think that's worn off. So I think this is a wrong decision. So Sorry, this is also jumping all over the place, but it, it's kind of going back to Villa because I just remembered something I'd seen. Um, I saw some reports saying that Villa is trying their hardest to get Pochettino in. That would be a, a wild coup. I don't... I, I don't even... I don't, really I don't know, know how, how to happens, respond to that. But... Yeah. I saw that today, I think. Um, but that being said, I mean, not there aren't really any jobs available. Like, none of the big jobs are available right now, and none of them are, like, actively under threat of becoming available. I mean, yeah. maybe Juve, but they seem to be backing Allegri pretty strongly. So, yeah, and it's not like Villa's an unattractive job because they do they, – they have shown that they're willing to back their manager, right? and uh, spend some cash. So he'd, he'd obviously be given liberty to just do whatever he wants with the team. Yeah. I mean, it would be a huge appointment for them. It would just be an interesting choice of job by Pochettino. But I guess if he's kind of bored on the sidelines, then, you know, you might as well, right? Because, I mean, he had great success with Southampton, who at the time he was there were a club of a similar stature to where Villa are now. So, I mean, I think it's not the most ridiculous thing in the world. I think it, he kind of needs to show that he's still like a really good manager. I know, you know, these past few jobs he's had, he hasn't had the most success. So, and you think, you know, doing well at, you know, a team like Villa, I think would be really helpful. 
to get him a job that he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, PSG is is another one that's kind of a poison chalice too, like yeah. because you, you might be the coach, but you don't really make decisions there. Um, like even I think rumors are that kind of starting lineup is almost taken out of their hands. You know, when you're the manager at PSG, because it's like if you're not starting Neymar and Mbappe, Messi, it's like. I mean, I know that was a big issue because I think there was a period where Messi was not starting under Poch. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't playing well. I mean, there was there was a while where Messi wasn't playing well at the beginning of his time at PSG, but then it kind of got dictated to him that, you know, this is this is who needs to play type type deal. So I think it's interesting, though. Again, they are sort of shifting gears a little bit by appointing Christophe Galtier, who's a much lesser known quantity in terms of super club management. Not that Podge was either, but anyway. Any other thoughts before we wrap it up, fellas? Because I think we've pretty much covered all the bases. Are Bournemouth still undefeated uh, since the 9-0? They are. Yeah, since Gary O'Neill comes in, uh, still undefeated, still chugging right along. And haven't seen any rumors of them searching for a new manager. So maybe they are, I mean, duly considering Gary O'Neill for the full-time position. Yeah, I mean, how many games has it been now? But I, I think five. Yeah, I think since that period, Bournemouth are the, I mean, obviously it hasn't, it's only five games time, right? But since the 9-0, I believe Bournemouth are the only team to have maintained a, a lossless record. That is absolutely insane if you had told me that before. Yeah, it is. It's one, two, three, four, five, six games, actually. Uh, granted, that's four draws, but still, I mean, for a team that we expected to struggle to pick up points, they've been hoovering along nicely, so... Okie dokie. I think that will just about bring us to a close. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Ethan for album of the week. All right. So I have to give some context to this. So after the 6 a.m. game, Leicester v. Palace, I, well, before that, I ended up waking up at two o'clock and just had one of those days where you couldn't go back to sleep. So I was exhausted after this, you know, sleep, sleepy game anyway. So I decided to go back to sleep and ended up having my first lucid dream. And it was a, whoa, it was a trip. I mean, not too much happened, but it was weird. I could tell that something was, was not normal, but I don't know why, but when I was having this dream, I was thinking about, this is a weird cover, King Crimson in the court of the Crimson King. So this is very much a prog rock album and it's very crazy. A lot of people know it for (laughs) Jojo. Yeah. Well, Jojo, but also it just being, you know, the cover is really, you know, disturbing in the sense that it's a red man, absolutely screaming. Uh, Not many people might not know the music, but I think you would know it from uh, the song power by Kanye West, 21st century schizoid man. That's on this album. But it's a lot. There's only like five, I think five songs on this album, but they're all long and they're all Typical crazy broad rock record. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I was thinking about the song. I talked to the wind while I was having this dream and it's it took me on a trip. So, yeah, I'm on a huge prog kick right now, actually, because of Polyphia, which I talked about last week. But I've recently been getting into Coheed and Cambria, which oh. 
yeah very excited very progressive rock very uh like tells a story involving characters and stuff throughout their albums so i've been really enjoying getting into that yeah so that album is crazy i definitely recommend if uh, if you want to experience something crazy i would check that album out excellent josh yeah jersey of the week I know. Bud. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I already have it out so the mls playoffs start all right started i think on friday so I'm going to do an MLS jersey because Inter-Miami are playing tonight. So I have this really nice Inter-Miami black and pink one. And I don't know, I don't think this is going to pick it up. Oh, yeah, it is. There's like tiny flamingos like all over the thing. It's really cool. It's got David Beckham on the back. It's just a nice jersey. And Inter-Miami play tonight. Uh, Higuain's retiring. It could be his last game ever. So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool that you have that. That yeah, is a nice jersey. I do like the I like the stripes over the top of the shoulder. Mm-hmm, it's a yeah. nice touch. The flamingo, I like the flamingos on it too. It adds like enough that you can actually like see it, but it's still like minimalist-ish. Which I'm I always a like. fan of pink jerseys too. Yeah, I know. I remember that Arsenal one where you had the black with the pink accents. Yeah, it was a it was a nice jersey too. Isn't so. that there was that Leicester one a long time ago that yeah. Josh pink needs to get like, his hand hands on? I don't know if I've. Ever, I don't even know if I've ever found that one on any of those sort of websites, but yeah, that one was really good. Like the light pink with like the black, like chevrons. It was like that. It was that template. Yeah. The world cup template from whenever that was. 2018. Yeah. I I, really, I was trying to figure out if it was actually a world cup template. I think it was though. It was, it was because I think Germany had it with the black and or the white with the black. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, what else do we have? Oh, uh, stars are off to a two and zero start as well. So are the Flyers actually. So shout out to Ooh. shout out to them. The Torts dog in as coach, getting it done. <laughs> so yeah, stars as of tonight. Fun little nugget from Reese today in the group chat. If you want to share that about uh, the the coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, uh, I'll pull it up real quick. But I think off my memory it was that no. Okay, I pulled it up uh, from Razor. Um, in Dallas Stars history, a new head coach has never started a season three and Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it could happen mainly just because we look fantastic. Uh, and because I'm, it's the Jets and they're not yeah, very good. So I, I'm, I'm so happy that we look also last season, we did not get a regulation win until 13 games in, I believe. And we're already, I think we had a four, one win and a five, one win. So it's like way different and people other than the top line are scoring, which is yeah. really nice. So yeah really good stuff also kind of funny that it's this thing about the stars new head coach being uh up or three and oh in their first three games is comes against rick bonus and the winnipeg jets although he won't be there uh because of COVID. yeah i saw that which is disappointing because it would have been i feel like they would have given him a nice little tribute um but he will he will be back at some point i'm sure i I, we're playing winnipeg four times this season so i'm sure they'll be they will i mean winnipeg put four past shesterkin though like they've only True. played one game and they shut them down to just one goal. So and I think, I think bonus has a lot, a lot more up his alley in Winnipeg than he did in Dallas. I think he just fits who they have a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. And I also think like, he's a good coach to kind of turn a culture around. Mm-hmm. Like he's a very players coach, very kind of 
you know, arm around the shoulders, the, the expression that they use in soccer. I don't think anyone says that in the NHL, but that's very like kind of how he is. And I think they've, that organization has had such culture problems in the last couple of years, you yeah. know, and obviously he just stripped Blake Wheeler of the captaincy too. So yeah, lots mm-hmm. of things going on there. Oh, but. another thing, a Lester news, Walker's chips is starting there. Us and Lester are starting to renew a advertisement deal. And that's just iconic from the nineties when we were first in the Premier League. That's the only other thing I have. Most excellent. Is that a, an old school, like shirt sponsor or what is it? Yeah. It's just Walker's chips were like based in Lester, I think for a long time. And nice. it's just, they're on like all kinds of the jerseys. Nice. Good touch. Bit of nostalgia there for the, yeah, that is, that is cool. The older fans. So good stuff, gentlemen, Reese, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you for, thank you for being a wonderful host. Oh, you flatter me. <laughs> Although uh, I wanted to point out your name in zoom right now is Logan Reynolds. Yeah. I just didn't bother to change it. Cause we don't have the name plates at the bottom anymore. So whatever yeah. that is my name. So I didn't just make that up, but you know, yeah. <laughs> name reveal, name reveal, uh, Ethan as well. Thanks for coming on and talking about this news fest from palace. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the midweek game and the, the weekend game. Hopefully you can get a better result there. Yeah, and Josh as well. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Thanks for having me. It was a good Thanks time. for uh, accommodating our early recording time as well. Oh, yeah. I don't do anything on Monday, so most of the time it's free, at least until I have my class. Yeah. Good stuff, gentlemen. All right, let's adjourn this panel. We want to say thank you to the listeners for listening as well. We hope you've all been enjoying the Premier League. We hope you stay safe and stay healthy. And it's a goodbye from us.